am sensitive to these sounds. Plant down and lotus in a tent to ground. Knowing if I fail to lift the veil, I'm hell bound. Journey through the fate of all the hate I found. Done laying out the layman's for these lanes, big clowns. We can still throw down pound for pound. If you choose to drag my name through the mud with no bounds. Scars go deep, but the passion can shift. Trying to find a balance between anger and bliss. Searching for my purpose when success is a myth. I thought I knew the gist of the plot, but it came with a twist. Had it all mapped out, but none of the pieces fit. Abandonment issues got me doing the split. Realizing I didn't really need what I wish. Got sick of getting tricked into giving the devil a kiss. Welcome to the side of hell. Good evening, everyone, or good day, whatever part of the world you're in. Welcome to another episode of Portal to the Paranormal Vodcast. I hope everyone is doing really well. We have an absolutely fantastic guest joining us tonight. Um, I will go into that in one second. Just for anyone that's in the UK, just want to quickly mention Portal to the Paranormal are out on location on Saturday, the 21st of October. We will be investigating Derby Jail, and there are still some tickets available. So if you want to join us, um, go to our webpage, portaltotheparanormal.co.uk, um, and get yourself booked in. The tickets have been reduced because we had a group dropout. Um, so just want to quickly mention that. But on to tonight's show, uh, we have an absolutely fantastic guest joining us, um, psychic medium, paranormal researcher, motivational speaker, so many other things that I can go on about, but we will let him talk. Um, we have Ryan Michaels joining us tonight. And some of you may know him from his appearance on Psychic Kids, where they helped children um, that had the ability to see things, sense things. Um, also, he was part of the Lost Soul as well, um, helping police with regards to investigations of missing people. And we'll get into that. So what I'm going to do is actually bring Ryan on now and let's get talking to him. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm really well, thank you. Again, thank you very much for joining us to, today. Um, absolutely great to have you on. Um, like I always say to all our um, audience, if you have any questions for Ryan, please do put pop them down in the comments and we will ask him. Uh, but what I'm going to do is just kick this off really. Um, gave a bit of a, a spill there really. You know, you were featured on Psychic Kids at the age of 16. Um, but for you, when did your paranormal journey start? When did you notice that you had these abilities? You know, there wasn't really a moment in my life where I didn't recognize that I had some type of... Uh, abilities present. Uh, I, I do remember that for the most part, they started when I was around nine, 10 with premonitions, which were a really big part of my ability work when I was younger. Mm -hmm. uh, predominantly, that's how I was getting my information was through premonitions. One of the most powerful first experiences I had was amongst all these small premonitions that I was having, I had a dream that my aunt, who we all knew was ill, was getting ready to make her transition. Mm -hmm. About a week before she had passed, I had a dream that she came to me and she explained to me a little bit about what death was and explained that she would not be here 
for too much longer. And okay. as the days uh, began to pass, she would come to me more in dreams and just talk to me and help me understand that she was going to pass. And the night before she told me that this would be her last day, um, you know, in the physical world. And sure enough, unfortunately, she did pass the following day. And from that moment, it was the first time that I had like validation of my abilities. Yeah. So I just dove all in and started writing everything down and working with them and meditating. And the more that I did, the more abilities that formed uh, and took me to where I am today. Absolutely brilliant. And <laughs> did you want to get that? Or? No, I am so sorry. It might ring for just a moment. I actually turned it off, which is really strange <laughs> in particular. It's always when you're doing something, someone else will want your attention. That, that's the thing. That's what I always find. Um, are we good? Cool. Um, so I unplugged my, like, I'm super <laughs> particular. I unplugged my downstairs house phone from my internet before we did it. <laughs> on everything. I'm that particular. Somehow it's still ringing. No problem. So my wife's saying hello there. Um, you know, she watched, she watched you on Psychic Kids. So I'm sure she'll come up with some questions. Um, so yeah, so you've gone through that. You know, as you got stronger and stronger, how did you learn to deal with it? Like the different kind of energies coming through. You know, did you reach out to someone, or was it something that you just self-taught yourself all these years? A little bit of everything that you mentioned. So the funny thing is, like at first, uh, the ability to see auras, uh, the ability to uh have these premonition experiences were very heavily incorporated into my life now i actually i can see energy around people but i don't see auras uh for the most part at all anymore and premonitions are very few and far between yeah uh, but yet lucid dreaming and astral travel and mediumship and the psychometry, the ability to kind of pick up information through an object or a location, you know, these abilities manifested through that and became exceptionally strong. And a lot of it was being self-taught until I was around 13 when I found out I had family that lived in a community called Lilydale, New York, that I would go and visit. And from there, I did get mentored by a couple people and made friends with a couple of people. And then I was on Psychic Kids the first time where I was mentored by Chris Fleming. And mm. I, he's been in my life off and on since then. So it's a pretty even amount between meeting the right people and being able to, to have been mentored and also utilizing my own time to develop my abilities that I felt were, were prominent. Yeah. And, you know, 13 years old, that's a really, you know, young age to start being able to see things. What was people's, you know, response to when you started saying that you were able to do these sort of things? Like family, was it something that your family were able to do as well? Or, you know, what was their response to you when you come out and said, I can do this, I'm doing this? And what, what were their thoughts? Uh at first, I think it was, I think that everybody thought it was like a phase, you know, like yeah. 
hey, this young kid is interested in the paranormal. Uh, I didn't tell anybody till I was around 13, 14, right in between there. Uh, so for the first couple of years, I did keep it uh, a secret. You know, I felt that it was a private experience. And to be honest, yeah. I fully understand what was happening. But the reaction when I told him, I, I think it was genuine. Uh, but I think that they did believe that it was a phase in my life. So when I was 16 and called him randomly from New York and said, hey, can you come pick me up? I would like to be on a, I got called by production. I'd like to be on a television show. They told me that I met all their qualifications and uh, they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I told you I had these abilities and I, I didn't talk about it like in between them that much. And they were like, oh, we didn't even realize, you know, that like how, I guess, intense they were. And I was like, I tried to tell you um, once I aired on Psychic Kids and my mother was present with me in Rochester, New York, where we filmed and she got to witness everything. It was a different story. Like they knew that that something was definitely going on and that these abilities were present in my life. So they were receptive more after I guess I proved myself, you know? Yeah, because at a young age, everyone assumes like when they say, children say about seeing a, an invisible friend, they call it, don't they? But we don't actually realize that this could be more than just a, uh, an invisible friend, you know? So it's it must've been great for your mum to see that like when you did the Psychic Kids, when you were featured on there, to see what you were actually able to do. Um, but then going from, from the psychic kids, you actually did cases yourself as well, didn't you? Where you were helping out other children um, that were going through the same sort of thing? Yeah, so after I aired on the original psychic kids, after that, I loved what Chris Fleming did for me. Yeah. He had a way of words, a way of offering me assistance, of describing. Uh, my abilities and truly grounding me in a way that honestly today, I don't think that anybody has really matched or has have done for me. So I felt the need to say, I know I'm young still, but I would like to talk to other children about what's happening. And at that point in my life, for the first couple of years, it was more relating with them. I would say, hey, this is what you're going through. This is what I'm going through. This is what I've done. And then the more people that I've met, the more classes that I took, the more research that I've done, the more abilities that unfolded, and the more children and families that I spoke with, I started to enter actual mentoring where I mentored children in between psychic kids very heavily. It's predominantly what I do is, is I call it spiritual mentoring for children and adults. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. But sticking on the theme for a moment with, with Psychic Kids being a TV production show, um, you must have been an integral part on, you know, how to deal with these children. Because people that are filming, maybe directors that have put the shows together, they don't necessarily understand what these kids are going through. So would they speak to you first before going into a case saying, OK, Ryan, how are you going to do this? What What's the way forward with this? particular child were you a big part on the the planning and how to do the, like the introductions with the children that you were helping 
So honestly, I get that question a lot and it is the complete opposite. I did not know who I was working with until I knocked on that door. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was wild because what they would do first is there, there's a big part of Psychic Kids that people that wasn't seeing. You know, we, we filmed for, you know, 10 hours a day for a week and you see it in a 45 minute episode. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, our abilities, you know, we have to be credible. So our abilities were tested just as much as that child. So before we even arrived to the house, they would drive all around the town and up and down the roads to see if you could get a vibe of where the child lived or the direction. They would ask you in the car. We filmed many scenes about who do you think you're working with, a boy or girl? Do you get a name? Do you see what is going to be present in the home or around the child? So there was like a half a day of filming just that before we even arrived. So when I would knock on the door, that is the first time I met or heard or anything was given to me about that child. So then I kind of had free reign. We would go in, we would film the introduction scene where I would tell them who I was and ask what was going on. And then from there, I had free reign on how I would help and I would proceed uh, with the direction of the child and, and the child's family. So then you also see again where I was kept out of sight uh, when we went to the location. And most of the episodes, we took the child to a haunted location to test the abilities and to help them. Yeah. We did not know where we were going. We would sit in the car. We would have to read what do you think's going on in the house. You know, they would go in. They would set up the equipment. We would be filming scenes outside about what we believe to be happening. And then me and that child would do the walkthrough together for the very first time. So I was, it's a very legitimate show and experience in that I did have free reign with the children and their families, but very much so was I kept in the dark. And it, it must've been quite challenging, you know, cause you know, when we, I recall watching it and, you know, I thought, you know, I'll be honest, and it shows how little we know, uh, you know, just watching it from the show, you know, that you would have some kind of understanding where you're going, the kind of things that are happening to the child, because don't you need to mentally prepare yourself to what you're potentially walking into, you know, because some of the stuff could be quite evil with what they were experiencing. And for your own mental, you know, health, you know, how did you deal with that then, knowing that you're not going to be told what the location is that you're going to, or the, the property that you're going to where these children live. How did you prepare yourself for that then? So prior to that, I would explain to production uh, a location that would be beneficial. I would say, you know, um, we want to test these abilities. These are the abilities that I feel like this person has. These are what we're going to test. So even though that I didn't really know, I knew that we were going to a location. So prior to the location, regardless, I did teach the child uh, techniques for protection, for boundaries. Uh, you know, we we ran through all the steps. So boundaries, protection, white light, prior, which is necessary for any location. So I would do that with myself. I would do that with the child prior because with the exception of not necessarily knowing the exact location, I did know that we would be going to a location. I did know that uh, the child 
most definitely, no matter what, would need white light protection, you know, and boundary set. So we did all that work prior, not only for me uh, to prepare, but for that child as well. And then we would do check-ins very often as we were present making sure that, you know, if we had to stop and do breath work, if we had to stop and picture white light, if we had to stop and focus, uh, or if they needed my assistance at any time that I was right by their side to offer that assistance. So I also did many check-ins after each spot in in the homes to make sure that the child's, you know, well-being was, was still present. And, you know, as parents, you know, we, we want to protect our children. And going through something like that can be quite, you know, when we do investigations and we get put to our, we get put to the test sometimes because it's that you pick up that vibe, the, you know, it's not nice at all. Was it quite difficult to deal with the parents then where did you come across parents that were like, actually, I don't like what you're doing, you know, and then you had to sort of back off and explain why you're doing things the way you're doing it? Um, unfortunately, out of, out of the six children that I worked with i won't i won't say names for of course no, no, no. confidentiality but i did have two parents that were not receptive um and did not like how i progressed they had wanted to progress a certain a certain way that they researched or that they thought in their mind was appropriate and i'm all about the foundation mm. which are finding balance having protection, having boundaries, utilizing breath work and white light, and every single person in the world, regardless of if they have abilities, should be utilizing that. So mm. I old school in my teachings and focus on the foundation work. And they weren't necessarily, I had two parents that just weren't necessarily on board with, with how I wanted to progress. And it we did butt heads, yes. Now, that's the thing. It must be difficult because, you know, this is not something out of the ordinary, is it? Like when, you know, you think about the kids, what they grow through as they grow up, this is something very different. So it must be a lot for the parents to sort of digest and seeing the processes of what's going on. Because I'm sure you brought up experiments or, you know, techniques that they've never heard of before. Um, Donna, so the topic we're talking about, Ryan was featured on Psychic Kids. Uh, when he was 16 and he also helped um, other children on other shows as well um, so we're just talking about the kind of things that Ryan did on the show and how it was mapped out and how he was allowed to do things um, hey Jill hope you're well darling um, so yeah so it's been quite hard you know for, for you to go through that but then you've gone and done it on your own back as well so you do this away from TV, you help children as well. Um, what sort of ages do you help then? Are they quite like a certain age that you would start helping them or is it whenever the parents get in contact with you? So it's whenever the parents get in contact with me, usually if they feel that their child is having experience and they're under like four or five years old, I try to work more directly with the parent as a course, it would be normal, the attention span of, of a four or five-year-old to do the work is not present yet in their life. So I work directly with the parents. Typically, if the child is six uh, to 18, I work with with the child themselves, with the parents sitting in and taking the notes. Mm -hmm. And 
then I work with adults as well. But as for the the children, it's it's in that age gap of like six to eighteen. Most of the children that I'm working with now are nine to thirteen, and I'm I'm working with around. Uh, I would say 35 to 40 children currently on a, on a bi-monthly basis. And I'm sure this comes up quite often. You know, when you're thinking about uh, the paranormal side of things, you're always thinking about the good. You know, that's the key thing that you want to concentrate on. But then unfortunately, you've also got the darker side of things. Um, you know, how, you know, how do you, you deal with someone that's going through something that's quite a dark entity then, you know, you know, because that must challenge you as well, you know, because if they've got an attachment, they don't want you coming in trying to get rid of them and things like that. So how does that all work for you when you're dealing with the darker side of things? You know, a lot of people, I think sometimes uh, in the field kind of disagree with my approach a little bit. I'm a practicing um, Buddhist and, and Taoist, and uh, I always say light implies dark. And if we analyze even our lives, we typically only want to work on ourselves when we're in a situation that's negative, when we're upset, when we're depressed, when we're anxious, when we're not physically well. That's when we turn the tables and we're like, hey, we got to work on ourselves. But when we're happy, we typically don't feel the need to better ourselves. You know, we're in a position that we are, are, are genuinely happy and we're, we're satisfied in life. So we don't typically seek... Um, the self-improvement in those periods of times. And it's the same thing in the paranormal is if you're not learning and incorporating the possibility of negative energy and negative spirits and negative attachments, even in periods of time that, that you're experiencing light and love only, when that does approach you, you're not going to have the tools and the techniques on what to do. Mm. I'm a firm believer that when I'm mentoring a child that has not yet seen or experienced negative energy or negative entities to still give them the tools, the techniques, and the knowledge in order to prepare themselves for what most definitely will occur at one point in their life, that they will be approached with an energy that does not feel uh, comfortable to them. And I think that that's so very important because I also believe that right now we are in a very pivotal moment in Earth's transition as well as our transition. And realistically, yes, many more people are open to spirituality. They're open to growth and meditation. But all of these pure aspects to the world are being tainted by people believing their opinions to be facts and it's creating distance it's yeah. creating indifference and it's creating a lot of negativity in in the world and as we're growing spiritually we're not fully letting our guard down and that creates almost like a battle between light and dark where we're trying to approach things in a positive way but not necessarily doing it in a, in a positive manner. So mm. that's why I'm so prone, you know, with my history in demonology that I, I do have a bachelor's in the history of, of demonology and theology. 
Um, I, I like to approach things both light and dark, not because I am obsessed with the dark, but because it is important for people to embrace that uh, mm-hmm. and, and learn about it because I want them to be prepared. But that's the thing, you need to be prepared, especially with your sort of abilities and anyone else. You, you've got to be prepared for both sides of the, the good and the bad, isn't it? You know, you don't know what you're going to encounter when you're doing certain things. Um, Gillian's just asked, um, at which age would you say the kids start to realise that is more than just an imaginary friend? That I found to vary. Usually, I would say between 8 and 11. Uh, they find out on their self. But it also, there's a lot of aspects taken into consideration, such as family, environment. You know, if they are in a family where their ideas or their experiences are shut out, it's going to take them a lot longer to deal with the confusion of, is what I'm seeing real or is it is it is it not? Um, if they have a family that's open and spiritual and, you know, they have the ability to communicate appropriately about these experiences that, that the kids are having, they could find out a lot earlier because they have that support system. So it really depends on a lot. First, the child's abilities, what they're experiencing, why they're experiencing it. Is it because they have, you know, just an old old soul or a connection of the universe that other children are not able to see or are they developing abilities through trauma which is also very uh common and then the support of the family you know it, is their spirit in the home are they able to so there's so many factors that go into playing a part uh psychologically environmentally um religiously you know, that really go into play with when a child will develop. You know, the most important thing is support and communication with the child. No, no, definitely. And that's, no, that's great. Um, Donna's just said, um, I'm a psychic medium. My five-year-old grandson is very gifted. Unfortunately, down my line, Native American, um, but my son will not let me work with him. He calls me, uh, he calls me, with astro projected back and forth, I try not to. He calls me, I believe. So I think uh, Donna's just given a bit of an example of what she's gone through with her grandson there. Um, that's perfect. But not only, um, you know, moving on from psychic kids, you also did a show uh, called Lost Souls. Uh, this was where you were helping police with regards to trying to find missing people. Is that right? You know, doing a, doing a show like that, does that use a different part of your ability to tune into, like, doing Psychic Kids is one kind of thing, but doing, like, looking for missing people, what was the process with that? How did that come to you? So, actually, so, The Lost Souls, the original, I was on Psychic Kids being mentored when I was 16. That episode was called Psychic Kids, The Lost Souls. Oh, okay. That was uh, Psychic Kids, the original that I was mentored on. And that, you know, that was, it was wild. You know, I was expecting to go and learn about my abilities, maybe to go to a location and get mentored. And when we walked in to, you know, a federal building and sat down and 
an agent walked in and said, today you'll be worse, you know, we'll be working on a missing person case. Uh, we're looking to see what was happening. I remember that experience. He walked in. Never in my life has, have, has it happened like this. I saw him and I saw a different, a different face. And it's actually on the episode when you watch it, me doing this. And I got out and I drew this photo of this, you know, I couldn't draw back then. So, you know, it was a, a big round face, big puffy hair, a big beard that came around, almost looked like, you know, Santa Claus to an, an extent. And he pulled out this photo of who we would be working on. And it's this, this skinny, shaved headed, you know, shaved gentleman. And I was like, Ugh. and he looked at my photo and he just shook his head and pulled out a different photo. Uh, and it was identical to what that person looked like uh, wow. that he had. It was a second photo that he was going to show us. And my abilities, I think it was because Chris Fleming was there with me and the other, uh, at the time, there were two other children that came on uh, to be present. But I don't know if it was just having everybody in the room, but it was a wild experience. And there was so much that happened. And if it wasn't for that first missing person case that I worked on, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know if my abilities would have ever manifested the way that they did. Uh, because it was such a different type of experience. And even emotionally, it was different because, I mean, this was somebody's child. This is a loved one that we were attempting to help find. And I took it exceptionally serious because I wanted to help that family find their their child. And, you know, dealing with those sort of cases then and having the ability to see things and be told things, was there any cases where you were told already that the person that they're actually trying to look for are dead? You know, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but, you know, did you have that sort of, any cases like that, that you're looking for a missing person, which is actually passed on? Was that anything you come across during doing that? So unfortunately, most cases that I work on, I do receive the information that the person is deceased. Now, uh, at first, I would tell the family, and then as I did that, uh, I noticed that that's what they focused on. So when I was about, I would say, 18, I quit. I put it in my contract that I will not tell you if the person's living or deceased. I will simply give you the information that, that is provided. If I feel they're in a location, I'll give you a location. If I feel that they were at a location or that they were involved with somebody, I will tell you. But I will not tell you if they are living or deceased because as soon as you say living or deceased, nothing else that you explain to them matters. If they're deceased, they're heartbroken. If they're living, they focus on hope that oftentimes does not always come. So I no longer tell them if the person's living or deceased, but I just simply give them the information that I receive uh, with the exception of that. Did you find that quite difficult to have to keep that to yourself then now? You know, if someone's told you already that the person that they're looking for is deceased, you know, is that quite difficult for you to you know, stop yourself from telling them what you've been told that part? Or have it, you had to train yourself to be resilient to that sort of thing? No, it's, I face a lot of 
um, having abilities is is amazing. I'm happy that somehow, some way, the universe chose me to experience what I'm experiencing. But it's it's the realism of it is it can be a very heartbreaking career path. I mean, people are coming to you because they feel like they have no other answers. And as an empath, um, it can be quite, quite difficult. You know, uh, there's a lot of, you know, I know a lot of, of light workers that struggle with anger, depression, or addiction, or they're overweight, or, you know, it, it's hard when you're working full time in the field, and, and you're just trying to help people. And it's, one after another, and you're trying to make a difference, you, you, you do feel bad for people. I mean, in your soul, you know, your soul. Yeah. And it's the same with these missing person cases. But sometimes when you tell something, somebody something, even though that you would think that it would be beneficial, but you know that they're not going to hear a word after what you say, because you've now said that they're deceased, it's not beneficial. And as a light worker, you know, in a sensitive, you have to know what to say and what's going to be helpful and what not to say that's going to be detrimental. And uh, a lot of these people already know. That's why their reaction is is so indifferent because they're being validated. I mean, when a, a person's missing for seven years, the chances that they are still with us in the physical world is a very small percentage. So they already suspect it, but they have that hope. And being honest, that hope is why they're still looking for that person or answers five or seven or 10 years later. You take that hope away, now they don't have anything. Not saying to keep on hoping, but at least they can slowly come at their own time to the realization that the person may be deceased. Now, without telling them this person is deceased, if I'm telling them to look by a lake, uh, if I'm telling them a wooded area, I mean, that that does answer their question without being very direct and, and ruining their hope. You know, obviously where I'm telling them, you know, if it's a remote place or a remote location, that also does give the impression that these people are no longer with us. And and I understand that you don't tell the necessarily tell the families for that reason, but do you tell the police what what you believe has happened to this person? Do you give them the heads up by any chance of this I, person? I believe it's deceased. I do. Yeah. Uh, the police. When I do work with the police, they get um, since they're you know a professional in the field. Um, and they don't have bias qualities, you know, um, I do tell the police very directly what I think. This person is alive. This person is deceased. This person is a runaway. You know, I, I'm very blunt with the police. Yes, I speak to them as though, uh, you know, I can I can just relate more to the police and their, their situation. So I'm very blunt with them, yes. Um, so Jill's just said that it must be, very mentally draining for you dealing with those sort of things which would lead on to sarah's question um can you ever switch off your abilities and what do you do to relax yourself uh, you can switch your abilities on and off with uh 
practice and boundaries and white light. I personally use something that just in the last couple of years came mainstream, which is called the gateway experience, uh, which is a, a meditation that you can find on the internet or YouTube with different waves. And it teaches you um, how to open and close your energy and goes over focus and emotion. It's a really powerful, uh, if you did one a night, it would take you a month to complete. Um, so I do that and then I just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. But I, I use the gateway experience that has taught me a very unique way to open and close my energy around myself. But uh, you know what I do, um, I, I like to make people think that my life is all this exciting. I do work a lot. I talk to a lot of people. I've heard wild stories. My life is very interesting to people that I've got to meet. But you know, for example, the last week when I'm not working, I'm I'm laying in bed with some Cheez-Its watching Shark Tank. <laughs> Do you know Shark Tank is good? That's there. And just in case anyone in the UK don't know what it is, it's the American version of Dragon's Den. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I love that sort of show. Um, that's great. Um, but, you know, over the years, have you ever sort of thought to yourself, why me? Why was I given this? And do you ever think, was this something from a higher power? You said about the universe giving you this power, uh, this um, gift. But do you think it's something to do with like the higher power of God or things like, do you believe in that? Or do you think it was just something that is what you were set to do? You know, some of these questions are only questions that, that I'm able to answer for myself. And I went back and forth for many years in my life wondering, because it's yeah. not something that will ever truly be provided. Um, now you can make educated assumptions on why. And it wasn't until I actually filmed the reboot of Psychic Kids. I was going through a personal situation and I remember I was on a train because I was afraid to fly. I had a, bad, a couple bad flights. So I had to put my butt on a train and, and travel for six days before, too, on a lot of oh, the... Oh, wow. And I remember I was laying, sitting in my chair, looking out. Uh, I had woken up early, and the sun was rising across the desert. I was going to um, New Mexico. And all you saw was the oranges and the reds and the the yellows and the cactus bushes. And I sat there and I was for the first time, I can't explain it. I was just in the present in a way that I've never felt before. And first time I felt uh, simply at peace and I had a download of spiritual enlightenment, which has happened throughout my life. And unfortunately, I don't get a spiritual download until one extreme to the other. Typically, people receive them when they're exceptionally happy and in a really amazing place that puts them into the present or a very traumatic heartbreaking scenario that puts people into the present. And typically it is one extreme or the other because in between the present 
we have life. We have, we have, we're going to work, we're going to cook, we're going to drop our kids off somewhere, we're going to the grocery store, you know, we have to catch that show, we have to clean the house, we have to go get the car done. We're doing so much that we're not living in the present, very, very few. Mm. So to be in the present, typically we have a spiritual epiphany through enlightenment or a really positive, genuine, happy experience, or it's through something very traumatic that brings us into the current moment. And I analyzed my life and noticed that when I would get spiritual downloads of information that made me very enlightened about the world and with my abilities, it was through trauma when my grandfather died, when my, uh, I had a breakup when I was younger, when my aunt passed away and, and even currently in my life with different things I'm going through. So it, it brings you into the present and it's just like almost as though you're thinking, I, I can't even explain it in such an incredibly unique mm. fundamental way. And it's the universe just downloading information to you, just downloading you about life. Is it meant to be hard and we have to be in the present and we have to find balance and we have to, to show love, compassion, and sympathy to people. And we have to help one another and we have to unite as, as one, the human race. And we have to, to develop our abilities of empathy to care and love one another. And you get this incredible amount of download. And yes, because of that, I do believe in God. Now, when I say God, I, I probably describe him differently. I always say that I was asked one time how I would describe God. And I always say, God is the nothing that created everything. At the moment when there was nothing, God was there to create. He was simply an existing energy that that allowed creation to exist. I think that whether you believe in science, whether you believe in religion, almost every view that you can believe in, if you would click rewind, it takes you back to a creator. And we are, we are all derived from that creator. If it's science, it's the big bang. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. So we're all part of that original energy. We're all made from stardust. If it's Catholicism, God created all, you know, Adam and Eve were all derived. We're all derived from Adam and Eve. Well, actually we're all derived from Noah and his family because after the great flood, nobody was left on earth, but Noah and his generation. But, you know, so we're all derived from, from God. We're all derived from energy and it all, it all means the same thing. There's no need to argue or to say my belief is better than your belief and, and to have people create difference because we're all one, no matter mm. what, Believe. You know, we're all connected. And I believe that that universal truth, that is God. And I would like that I'm very close to the God that I believe because of that. Oh, that's funny. Um, that, that's a great way of looking at it as well. Um, Sarah said all the same. Um, so that's brilliant. Um, she, Sarah's also asked as well, just to go back, do spirits pop up when you don't want them to while you're trying to do, like trying to sleep, shopping or in the shower you know do they just come up whenever they feel like it or do you have that safe zone where they can't approach you um i tell you one thing if a spirit popped up when i was in the shower it would pop right back up pretty quickly <laughs> <laughs> it would but say is... I just see. <laughs> uh, oh. 
I, uh, yeah, they do. You know, they really, they really do. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out sometimes and if, if I'm listening to music, walking around Walmart, or if I'm out and about and I'm not paying attention and I do let my guard down, um, I'm, I do look over and I'll see something out of the corner of my eye or I'll see a spirit around an individual. You know, sometimes I will hear or see something in my house while my energy is pulled back and I'm not really open or looking for that. And I'll hear it and I'll have to open up and see, you know, what the heck is that? And so it does happen when you have a lot of practice and skill set and opening and closing. It doesn't happen as often but it, it most certainly does happen. Absolutely brilliant. Well, that answers your question there, Sarah. Um, so that's great. And, you know, not only that, you do a lot of motivational speaking and things like that as well. You know, uh, is that something that you've done that helped yourself as well? Or was it just something that you wanted to get into the motivational speaking side of things? Um. I'll, I'll be completely honest, the motivate, and I don't mean this arrogantly at all, but the motivational speaking is as much for me as it is for the people that I speak to, because I most certainly have uh, struggled with anxiety and depression my whole life, sometimes very severe. And not because I'm unhappy, because the world is unhappy, fundamentally, as a whole. Uh, and... I, I motivational speak, and I'll be completely honest, the mentoring and the motivational speaking is the most important thing that I do. And if there was a way that I was offered just to do that, and if I had to give up some other things that I do, I would jump on it immediately because I know I, I work with a lot of people. I know that people are struggling in their own personal way. You never know what a person is going through. And the most important thing is life is short. In a blink of an eye, our experience as you, as me, is over. And there's one, there's but one purpose in this world, and that is happiness. And it breaks my heart that, that people struggle sometimes to find that. Uh, because it throws off their whole understanding of who they are, of what life is about. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I, I just want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to, to feel as though that life is working out for them. And it's the, it's the most important thing that I do. And if anyone was watching right now and they're struggling, like with anxiety, depression, what was the one piece of advice that you would give them now to try and help them? You know, the most important thing is balance. And I speak about this. Anybody that knows me is probably like, here we go again. I say this almost every session, every presentation I do every podcast that I do. And it is about balance. You have to have balance in your life. And I'm talking about physical balance, how you interact with the world around you. You have to have mental balance, 
That is the thoughts that you think. That's where the depression stems from. You know, the low self-esteem, the anxious thoughts, the life isn't going to work out, or I'm so busy, when am I going to be able to relax, or nobody wants to be with me. And it leads you to generate an emotion. And then you have your emotional balance. And that's the actual emotion that you're feeling based off of your thought based off of your physical experience. And lastly is spiritual balance, which is where do you feel your current placement is in the universe? What do you feel? And this is a trick question because we only have, I believe, fundamentally one purpose in life, which is to be happy and, and do everything that we can uh, in a way that brings us happiness. But what is your purpose? You know, Do you feel safe? Do you feel lost? Do you feel is though that you you found your place in in the universe with people that you are happy with so balance is physical mental emotional and spiritual balance and the reason that we understand that is because of intellect yeah. which apart from everything else um on earth the amount of intellect that we have and balance is the number one key i also found that I'll leave everybody with, with this quote in regards to this question is a lot of unhappiness comes from um, the idea of possession. You know, we're depressed because our car broke down. We really liked our car. We lost our job. We really liked our job. We're going through a divorce. We're going through a breakup. And there's a quote by Osho that I live by or try to live by because it is difficult. And it says, if you love a flower, don't pick it up. If you pick it up, it dies and ceases to be what you love. Love is about appreciation. Love is not about possession. And that's not just about people. That is about your career. That is about family, friends, husband, fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, the home that you want to get away from, but you don't want to leave the town that you were born in. It's about everything. You have to appreciate life, not possess life. That's amazing. Um, and that's a really good way of looking at it. And, you know, doing all that motivational speaking, it must be great to to help people in a different kind of way as well. Not just from the the psychic side of things, but the, the speaking. Um, you know, so that, that was great. Um, so I was just said that is um, a great quote. So lovely. Um, so, yeah. So there, there's two more questions that I did want to ask you. Um, Jill's just said, uh, thank you. That's a lovely quote to go by. Kiss. Um, so, yeah. Now, you know, we're, we're talking about abilities. Do you think this is something that could be passed on to, like, children? Like, you know, you being a father, do you think this is an ability that your your child might pick up? Or do you think it's just specific to the person that gets those abilities? So, a lot of people say... Yes, and I do believe that it is possible for children to develop abilities simply because they're parent, but there's a lot more to that. So if I have psychic abilities and my child uh, is around me, it's also a way of life that he knows that dad does this for a living. He knows that you know, I'm in my office doing readings. He sees the spiritual books. He He's listening in the car with me to spiritual podcasts. He, he sees that this is 
acceptable. So there's a lot of environmental factors that go into that typically, if you have abilities, you're utilizing them, it's around the child. So that becomes, in, in a sense, their normal experience too, in, in way of understanding. So is it her, just simply hereditary? I, I don't know that I would say it's just simply hereditary. I think that it's completely possible. But I also believe more likely it's it's more like, I, I don't know if, the, if it's the right word, but I would say like environmental, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing around them. So I always say this, a, a lot of psychics and mediums say, oh, everybody's psychic or, or medium or sensitive. I, I rephrase that. I say, no, that, that is not true whatsoever. Everybody has the ability to have an ability. Mm. But typically life gets in the way of that because this is a lifestyle. This is not, uh, uh, you know, nothing to do this Saturday. I think I'm going to meditate and develop some psychic abilities. You know? uh, yeah. Especially in October where you have psychics coming out of the, the woodwork, you know. And uh, it, it's much more than that. In fact, I would also like to just take a moment on even what I think that a psychic is. You know, when okay. we say psychic, sensitive, the sixth sense, I call it the boo factor. You know, everything has to be boo. <laughs> All a sixth sense is, is your five senses enhanced to receive information in such a way that you receive and perceive the world around you differently than most people are able to. So if you think about it, you know, your five clairs, you hear spirit, you see spirit, you smell spirit, you can maybe taste things while you're getting information and you feel. Those senses are enhanced in such a way that we're re receiving information that most people are not able to receive and we call it the sixth sense. And you had made uh, the comment about like motivational speaking. And another reason why I like motivational speaking is because to develop your abilities, you have to have balance in your life. As soon as you don't have balance in your life, your abilities will be affected. So not only does the motivational speaking help for people that have not uh, came to embracing their abilities yet, or it hasn't been a lifestyle, it helps them through just trauma in life. It also does 100% impact and help the person that is trying to develop their abilities because the number one thing that I teach in my ability course is balance. And balance is important for every single person in the world. And whether if it's with abilities or if it's that they have not developed abilities, you have the idea of having balance in your life. So the motivational speaking does truly help both directions simultaneously. Mm. No, definitely. And, you know, when we're, so, you know, we're talking about spirits, com uh, communicating with the spirits as well. You know, I the one thing that I always try and work out is, are the spirits still here because they're trapped here? Or do you believe that they choose to be here? Or can they come and go as and when they please? So if they know a family member struggling, they'll appear and make a sign to let them know that they're still around. What do you think is happening when we pass on? Do we get to choose? they get stuck what, what's your theory on that okay so as a paranormal theorist i have my own very unique theory about that so okay. 
I'll try to like summarize it because that could be like an hour. <laughs> it is. So this is going to sound super strange. Bear with me. Um, okay. I do not believe that spirit or energy, because those words are used interchangeably. Okay. I believe that spirit and, and, and energy uh, from a once living person takes a form in spirit. Meaning, if I drop dead right now, you would expect me to, to pop up and there's my spirit. Looks just like me. Energy and spirit is a state of existence. It doesn't have a form. We are simply one with the universe. What creates the spirit to take form is based on the memory of the person or the location that you're in. So for example, I use this example. Let's say that my grandfather passed away many years ago. And his first part of his life, he was shaved, strong, rough around the edges, wore, you know, a V-neck tee, worked in the coal mine. He liked to chew and, and, ha and, and drink. When I knew my grandfather, it was a, a gentleman that was very old and fragile, very soft-spoken, dress shirt and suspenders, trimmed his beard every day, dress pants, very Gentile. Now, when he passed away, let's say that a friend went to a psychic medium that knew him 50 years prior, and I went to a psychic medium. If I went to a psychic medium and they told me, I'm seeing this man that's clean shaven, tank top, he was drinking and, and chewing, I'd be like, who are you talking about? And then if the other gentleman, his old friend went to a psychic medium, they're like, I'm seeing this very old and Gentile person with a beard and dress clothes and barely spoke and he was just so soft-spoken he'd be like who the hell is this you know so spirit takes form the form based on the person's memory that's going to provide the most amount of healing okay. take any form it doesn't have a form it's formless that takes form in a way that is beneficial to the person now can energy be trapped in a location Typically, yes, and typically it is through trauma. Just as we as a person, when we experience trauma, what we're saying is our life stopped, we experienced an immense trauma, and we are trying to overcome that and change our mind and our emotion and our physical state because it's almost like time froze. Same yeah. for spirit. If they experience, if they were murdered, murdered in a location, for them, very much they're in a confusing situation that that energy might take and repeat that form in that location. I do not believe that if, if a spirit is haunting a location, not always does that mean that they have it crossed over. That means that they're still trying to handle things here and figure out what happened and why. It doesn't mean that they're also not crossed over. It doesn't mean that they did cross over. It gets a very, it's a very personalized situation. Yeah that experience but in itself spirit and energy is is, is everything it, it's the the waves of the ocean it, it's the the leaves blowing through the wind it's the deer that's eating an apple out of a field you know it's it's life it's laughter it's it's me it's you and and the people that passed away they're, they're part of that mm. they're 
part of this existence. And when you tap into that part with a person or at a location, it takes a form that you're able to help understand and heal uh, that person based on their personal experience. Oh, that's brilliant. And just quickly, um, Sarah's asking about reincarnation. Um, I think she might be asking, do you believe in the, the reincarnation part of things that we can come back as something else or? I call it recycled energy. Recycled uh, energy. <laughs> recycled energy. Uh, yeah, I do. You know, the, the issue that I have with reincarnation, and I don't want to get too far-fetched here. We always say, you know, everybody was an Egyptian. Everybody was a Native American. Everybody was, you know, in a, they were a king in the Renaissance, you know, or a knight. You hear all these stories again and again and again and again and again. And I get it that as you subtract population, I mean, as you sub subtract time and, and rewind, you, you do have these categories of people because in that, that period of time, historically, that's what existed predominantly. But first off, the math doesn't add up. There's 7.7 .7 or 7.8 billion people in the world right now. You know, for a large part of, of the world's existence, we didn't have that. So it's not just about coming back as a person on earth, you know, thinking that reincarnation is just on earth is, I think, very uh, closed minded. There's a whole universe. And I believe that we are all part of the energy. We are all derived from that energy. Our energy is recycled back into that when we pass away. But yeah, it, it could be you could be any part of the universe anywhere not just earth you're just part of that existence again you know and i think that people don't understand that because they don't understand the concept truly of how big the universe really is and it's very hard to think outside of earth and um we're just all part of this universal energy i call it and we'll go back to that and we will have an amazing experience and i don't i don't think that it's like many people understand or that many people describe i i don't believe that we are separated or divided at the time of death into locations um heaven or hell i i don't i don't believe in that division i have my own personal thought about division uh, on earth. And I think that that's one way to create division is making you believe that you're going to this location or this location. I think that we see it everywhere. You know, you like this football team or you like this football team, people fight. You're going to go here or you're going to go there. When you die, people fight, you know, I'm a doctor and you're a CNA, you're going to fight. You know, there's so much division that is taught to us and we don't even see. And I think that that is, is part of it. You know, I, I believe that when we die, we are, I call it, like I said, that recycled energy. I do believe that we come back, not necessarily as a person, not necessarily as an animal, but we come back just in some way in some part of the universe that's around us. That's brilliant. Um, now, just before we, we end tonight, um, what I want to touch on is like services that you offer, you know, because like, like we said, we know you do motivational speaking. I know that you also do readings, but can you give people a bit of a, like, if they want to get in touch with you to do something like that, how they can do it? I've got your website, so I'm just going to put that back up now. 
Um, but yeah, how else can people reach out and services that you can offer them? Yeah, so my website down there, psychicryanmichaels.com, I offer three categories. Uh, one is consulting and mentoring. So you can do a paranormal consultation or spiritual mentoring where we work with you on creating balance or a specific situation that you're facing um, in your life or in the paranormal um, realm, the metaphysical realm. Then I offer uh, classes. I do teach every January. I have a year program. I allow 10 to 15 people to be in. You work with me every two weeks for a year in a group and personal setting. It's called The Power of Yet. Who are we? I have two directions in that too, one for abilities and one for for people that are just struggling in life. Um mentally and emotionally. And then I offer my readings, an intuitive reading, um, which is kind of like your psychic reading. Uh, and then I offer an open and direct contact where I communicate with people's guides or I communicate with a specific loved one. Now, the difference with my readings, and I want to make it seem, I am not, I, I call it a strip strip mall or boardwalk style psychic. I'm not the type of person that you come to and I just plow you with random facts of information. What I provide is something very unique. It was why I was chosen for Psychic Kids. And it is almost like a combination between a spiritual counseling session and a psychic reading where we're specifically talking about why are you unhappy in life? And I give you intuitive advice on what I see the outcome being. So it is very much conversational. I don't offer your typical, you sit down, I light the candle and tell you a whole bunch of things. Um, what I offer is something uh, almost like a mentoring, counseling type of intuitive session where, where we really are very vulnerable with one another. Um, and I offer some health readings. I am a medical intuitive, so I offer health readings as well. But I have all my services listed on my website under private sessions. You would just read, copy, and paste my terms and conditions, schedule a session. Right now, I am booking typically depending on the service anywhere from 30 to 90 days. So like mentoring, consulting, like more 30 different readings could be up to, to 90 days. Um, so I, you can schedule at any time. I'm also, you can follow my personal Facebook page, uh, which is Ryan Michaels. You can follow my like page, which is Ryan Michaels Psychic Medium. I'm on TikTok under the Ryan Michaels podcast. I'm on Instagram psychic medium underscore Ryan Michaels. So you can follow me. I hope to see some new, you know, new people. And I hope that, you know, I was able to help and give some insight tonight on everything that I've experienced and, and for people as well. Yeah, I, you know, definitely agreed. Like some of the way you, you've worded things. And I think Sarah said it as well earlier on in the, in the comments, um, you know, how comforting you are when you speak to people um and she picked that up when when she was watching you on psychic kids but i think um here she goes again actually amazing podcast thank you so much ryan really appreciate and enjoyed learning all about you um i think you know we've just got a snippet and it would be great maybe in the future to do a part two with you because i think there's so much more we can go into especially with the, the the division and things like that going into that sort of subject but it's absolutely been great to to learn about what you've been able to do and while you're doing it. Um, it's been absolutely great. What I will do afterwards is I will put the links to uh, Ryan's um, TikTok because he's got great videos on there about 
when he's speaking about balance and other subjects. So if you wanted to go and check that out, please do. Um, I'll put all Ryan's links in the description afterwards. Um, but I just want to personally say thank you for taking the time out of your day to share a bit of what Ryan Michaels is all about. And, you know, really the last thing, is there anything coming up like projects that you have where we're going to see you back on the TV screen in the future? So I just exited my contract uh, a couple of months ago. So right now, nothing in the foreseeable future. I'm making a move uh, to presentations locally. Um, so I will be doing I will be doing that a lot more. I do go live on my Facebook often, like maybe like well, not often, I guess, like maybe <laughs> every like two or three months. Um, I'm hoping to do that more so everybody here that can follow me and they can they can see those presentations because I, I do host them live. Um, and no, I've been uh, right now I've been just focusing I'm writing a book. Um, so I'm hoping that'll be out shortly. I've been saying that for a year though. Um, it's quite hard to publish a book correctly. Uh, so it, it's taking a long time, but hopefully the book is out soon and um, you know, I'll, I'll continue doing my Facebook lives and, and everybody can join me, you know, and I'm, I'm open for suggestions. So if anybody wants me to do anything or talk about something, if you want me back, I'm here, you know? Well, I think, uh, having you back will definitely be a yes. And I think next time we'll have Sarah that will be with you. Cause I know she would love to have the opportunity to interview you. Um, but guys, if you haven't yet, go and check out Ryan's Facebook page, uh, Instagram, TikTok, got some great videos, um, you know, again, about the balance and different subjects. So I will put all the links in to that. Um, but for now, I just want to say thank you, Ryan, for joining me tonight. Um, you know, enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope we could definitely catch up with you in, in the future um, and get you back on, talk about different subjects as well. So that would be great. But for now, just thank you for being with us today. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. It was it was a pleasure. And I will most definitely be back on if you ask. So oh, we, we would definitely be asking. That, that's without question. I think we've definitely got to have you back on. Um, but I'll let you get on with your day. Um, but yeah, again, thank you um, so much for joining. And we'll definitely be in touch really soon with you. Perfect. Thank you. And you have a good day. Angie, take care. Bye-bye um what an absolute great insight to the way michael uh the way sorry ryan thinks and the why the reason why he's doing things and you know how he's you know everything has been absolutely amazing to learn from him so we'll definitely get him on um for a future show um definitely hey sean hope you had a good evening at Babington. um you know so we're definitely getting back on in the future uh, just a few maintenance things with Talk to the Paranormal before we go. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, we are out on location on the 21st of October this Saturday. We will be hitting Derby Ghoul. Um, we do have some tickets available if anyone wants to join us. They have been reduced to £25 per person. Um, so if you want to join us, they are on our website or you can go on Facebook. There is a link on Facebook um, advertising the Derby Gel um investigation we will be back live on sunday evening as well at nine o'clock 
UK time, Eastern, it's four o'clock, where we'll be speaking to uh, paranormal investigator Daryl Marston. Um, you know, so I'm really excited to also uh, interview him. Um, so, you know, come along and join in the conversation again. Um, there's a lot we can learn from him and what got him into the paranormal. And then we will be back, you know, check our Facebook page out all the time. We're always updating about events that are coming up, uh, live broadcasts, guests. Um, we do have a guest potentially scheduled for December and quite a big guest in the paranormal field. So we're quite excited. We're just um, confirming dates. Um, but for now, I'm going to say my goodbye. As always, thank you for everyone that's joined tonight, the questions, the comments, and always supporting the page. It's absolutely been brilliant, um, you know, starting this back in 2021. Sean, help me, or Sarah. Um, when I think it was just after the COVID, you know, and we've grown so much and you guys have been a big part. Ah, Sarah's just mentioned as well. We do have our first platform mediumship night for Christmas, um, where we will be joined by Paul Sazelle. He will be doing a platform mediumship night. We will have some uh, cake stalls, other stalls on the night as well. So this will be a really good evening for people to mingle, very different to what we usually do. Um, so if you can join us, that is on the 15th of December at Murchison Hall. Again, it's on Facebook, it's on our website. So go in and book your place. It's £15 per person. On the night as well, there's gonna be a raffle. So, um, you know, so there's some really good prizes up for, for grabs. Uh, tickets to one of our investigations. So two tickets uh, for you and a friend or you and a partner. Uh, we've also been gifted a one hour free um, reading with um paul Cizel as well so um he's offering that so if you haven't yet book your place and it'll be a great way to get into the christmas mood uh thank you very much for your comment just be kind yeah as always just be kind to one another really important um yeah so great sean 2021 so yeah as i said it's been an amazing build up and you know we have met some amazing people along the way uh great audience and great support from you guys all the time so we just hope this continues uh, but for now i'm going to say my goodbyes enjoy the rest of your evening your day and we will be back on sunday so for now take care and we'll see you soon